Well, I, I think it's because inherently, like we struggle to big ourselves up. It's much easier if I was to sit here and I could probably sell you better than I could sell me yeah, because it's yeah. easier to talk about somebody else when there's no yeah. jeopardy involved in it. Today's show is sponsored by winthehourwintheday.com. We help you stop working so hard with our three-part formula, team, execution, and scale. Hey entrepreneurs, are you going full speed just trying to keep up? Do you feel you have more losses than wins? For years, I was rushing to get to the next thing. There was always something that I had to learn before the thing I actually needed to learn. I felt like I was running in the wrong direction and moving even further away from my goals. So the big question is, how do you stop the craziness? How do you get to your next win? Well, this podcast will give you the answer. Join me on my journey as we have real conversations about struggles, successes, and tips so we can get you quicker, faster results, no fluff, and get you to your next win now. Hey guys, I'm doing a very special event on August 10th. It's how to hire the perfect virtual assistant for your business. You really don't want to miss this. It's going to be just filled with value bombs. All right, grab the link in the show notes. It's free. I've never done this before. How to hire the perfect virtual assistant for your business. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Win the Hour, Win the Day. I am your host, Chris Ward, and today we have Robin Waite in the house. This is going to be all kinds of interesting. Robin is the pricing guy. He helps entrepreneurs slow down and create space and confidently charge your worth. Okay, that sounds interesting to me, Robin. Where do we start? And welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Chris. I'm super excited to be here today. And yeah, where do we start? Well, I'll, I'll leave that down to you. What questions do you have for me? Okay, well, you know what? We just always assume, like, I don't even, really, when you when you start your own business, you look at the ceiling and squint your eyes and say, oh, how much do I think I can get away with charging for this, right? And, you know, or, or sometimes it would maybe a worse mistake as you look at your competitors and what are you doing? Are you basing that on, on what, what are they doing? We don't know what they're doing well or their experience or their niche market or anything. So where do you think we should be looking at? When, when do we know we have a problem? When do we know we could be charging differently? What is it we don't know? Well, you're kind of on, you're on the money, if you'll excuse the pun, like straight away, because the biggest mistake people make is they do look at their com- com- competition. And like the reality is if you've got like five of your competitors out there, uh, charging like similar amounts. And so you, you decide, oh, well, that's what I'm going to charge because it works for them. It might work for me. Um, economically, when you look at it, you know, in terms of the finances, it probably doesn't actually stack up for your business. So I actually go back like a step from that and suggest to people, well, actually what you need to do is um, look at your goals for your business. So let's say, for example, you wanted to earn $100,000 a year. And your widget that you sell are $1,000 or the service which you provide costs $1,000. And you divide the two between each other. Well, do you have the capacity to work with 100 clients? Could you support them? And so you'll either get the, hell yes, we can do that, absolutely. Or we'll get the, whoa, no, that's 100 clients. That's just ridiculous. How do I get 100 clients? How do I service 100 clients? So we know at that point that $1,000 is not going to work. And so what you then need to do, let's say, for example, if your capacity is only, say, 20 clients, well, you need to be creating a product that um, where you can, the value is worth $5,000 or more. 
otherwise just economically it's not going to stack up for your business so we we go goal focused first we do a couple of very simple calculations and then we start to sort of un unpack it from there and yes we might look at our comp competition but we don't the mistake is assuming that they're doing it correctly because invariably they're not and the final thing as well is on looking at your competitors, you might have 20 people in your industry, in your local area, doing what you do, all charging various amounts, but there's only one of them that can be the most expensive. Mm. Um, and my view is that typically when you look at the one who is the most expensive, they've normally got the most five-star reviews on Google. They, they normally have tons of referrals from existing clients. They're normally the first person that somebody mentions locally when somebody says, hey, do you know a web designer? Oh, you should go and speak to these guys, but they're expensive. Then they're normally top of the pile and they've been around for the longest. So they've got the best reputation. But the clue is that they've been around for a long time. They've got the reviews. They're the most expensive and the most expensive. And yet they still get clients. So I'm kind of like, well, provided you've got the skills and you can get the desired outcomes and results for your clients, why should you not be the most expensive in your niche? Okay. So you've given me a lot to think about. So right off the bat, I would say, I, well, I can't speak for all entrepreneurs. I'll say I would assume I started at the wrong end. And I would think most do though, because most think, hmm, what can I charge? What do I think I'm worth? Versus you're saying it's a, it's a math problem. What, what do you need to bring in? Which kind of makes sense because it's sort of like if you, you know, when you first leave home or you, whatever you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pay rent here. So how much do I have to make? What, how many hours or what kind of job do I have to get? How many hours am I going to, how much am I going to get paid per hour at that job? How many hours do I put in to cover rent? So we work backwards in the early stages of our life and that's what you're seeing we should be doing as an entrepreneur, like, okay, what's your financial goal? And then you make sure that you create a package or a service or something that fulfills that financial need. 100%. Absolutely. Okay. And I'd, I'd like to say it's that simple, but this will be a really short podcast, Chris, if we can. <laughs> but the, the, like the reality is as well, like most service-based business owners. So if you're thinking about web designers, freelancers, uh, consultants, and people like that, they they will actually start off charging time for money exactly like you've just said. It's the other way around rather than it being a job. Well, they kind of create a job for themselves. So right. they charge out of 50 bucks an hour or hundred bucks an hour or something yeah. like that. Now, what I've also noticed, I mean, I've worked with hundreds of business owners and, you know, looked at lots of different sort of studies around sort of, um, you know, the consult, the average consultant typically works only four to five days a month. And you think if they're charging an hourly rate or day rate, they've got to earn all of their income in just four to five days work. Now, most consultants, when they work out their hourly rate, they work it out based on 20 days a month, which is 21 and a half days or however much it works out a month that they work for. So where did the other 15 days go? Like, what's that all about? Well, the reality is like most business owners still need to go to networking, do marketing, mm -hmm. do sales meetings, write reports, do their accounts. Like all of the other business functions still need to happen and wrap around the actual paid work to fulfillment. Yes. So when you think about it, it's not just about the time which that consultant or freelancer is selling. There's that, there's two other really major consti like constituent parts which go into making up how much they should charge. So, and I, I it's a rule of three. So we have our hourly rate, our time. That's that's mm -hmm. important. That needs to be paid for. The second one is intellectual property the knowledge mm. and schooling which they've accumulated over the years, the clients they've worked with, the mistakes they've made, all of those good things need to go into the intellectual property, the IP. 
and that adds another third to the, 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 the cost that we need to be charging. And then the third part then, um, which wraps around that. So we've got, the, um, we've got the intellectual property, we've got the hours, but also we need to think about the overheads, the cost that, you know, mm. to, to run our business. And that should be another third. So when you look at most people's hourly rates, in order to make their business prosperous and abundant, they probably need to increase their hourly rate by a factor of three. Mm, and okay. to a lot of people, that's very scary. Yes. So, all right. I also, too, there's always a lot of pre and post work I talk about as well. We're very passionate about decreasing that for people. So, and I think you touched on a really important point. Like I spend an insane amount over the years and still do on education and learning. And it's unbelievable. Like if, like, I can't even say some of the numbers out loud, but I, what I would say to you is, then sometimes I think I'm also, I'm not sure I'm articulating that well enough to my clients of, do you know what a discount, what I'm teaching right now, I paid so much more than you're paying me to learn. Like I paid a lot to get that, to give that to you, right? So I think we probably don't articulate that. But then if you say, all right, Chris, you should be increasing your numbers by three. How do you know then when you go, all right, I have crossed over into insanity and like how do you recognize the signs of it's too much for the marketplace or i'm not confident enough to sell it or where, what's the warning signs so um so well as, as a good again rule of thumb like a good conversion rate for a service client business is somewhere between about one in five and one in three so we'll round those okay. numbers we'll call it 20 to 40 percent okay so when I speak to a lot of business owners the fit, and I say, How, what's your conversion rate? They wear it like a badge of honor. My conversion rate's like 80, 90%. It's really good. I'm a really good salesperson. The first question I throw back to them is like, cool. So if we double your, your rate because you're such a good salesperson, you could still keep that conversion rate the same. And they always go, oh, no, couldn't possibly. No, that's ridiculous. Couldn't, nobody right. will pay that much. So all of the core beliefs, the mindset and the mm. confidence starts to come out and ooze out of their um, that their, their head and it's all based around pricing and the money blueprint, which they inherited when they're younger, which we probably go into a bit later if you want to, but, or not, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so, so straight away, we know that the conversion rate is a good, and by the way, um, the reason why it's one in five and one in three. So Google did a really great white paper years ago, which they've updated several, you know, several times now based on their gazillion bits of data that, um, three really important numbers. So they worked out 70, 10, 2. Actually, it comes from the age old of like cold calling 70 calls, 10 appointments, two sales. But they applied that principle to service client businesses and their conversion rates through their websites and through um, call booking systems and things like that, through data which they were collecting through various CRMs they've got, they've got access to. And they worked out actually for most modern businesses, 70, 10, 2 is still appropriate. So what it, where it comes from, 70 conversations that we start leads to 10 consultations, which ultimately leads to two sales, one in five, you know, 10 to two, one in five to one in three sales. And I always use that as a rough benchmark. So what we want to do is we want to um, increase our prices. So it artificially decreases our conversion rate down into that sweet spot. And now we've got like a barometer. So if we're still closing more than one in, you know, that one in three, well, we want to, we probably got bandwidth to increase our prices a little bit more. If we start to fall below one in five, well, something's going wrong here. And maybe we are too expensive. Maybe we are pushing the pricing too much. But price has this bandwidth. And this is what most people don't see. So they will see, hey, I'm going to sell this widget for $1,000. And 
people put it in they make it binary it's either too cheap or it's too expensive we can, ah, yeah, we yeah. can't afford yeah. it or we, you know but that, but that's just based on one person one straw poll of one person so but bandwidth has like take something like coaching for example well coaching the ba- pricing bandwidth on coaching is free i.e youtube if you know what to search for right the way up to somebody like tony robbins who charges seven figures a year to work one-to-one with the client mm. you know um most people though are in the lower end of the spectrum because their money blueprint tells them that they're not worth it i am not worth it therefore i'll just i'll put my prices in the cheaper end so where things are really cheap it's massively competitive okay so imagine imagine there's this we've got the bandwidth from free to tony robbins and we've got this line which kind of this arc which comes from you know left to right down the higher the higher up you are up there the more competition there is so the more expensive you get the less competition there is because there's only really one tony robbins unless he's right a a clone okay so let me jump in now i have to tell you full disclosure there is like dyslexia for reading. I don't know what it is I have with math, but it's a medical condition. Okay. Once <laughs> I have fingers and toes and sometimes I can fudge and add those up, but lots of times I can't. So bear with me. Could people then argue if you say the 70, 10, two rule, meaning 70 calls, 10 appointments, two sales, and you say, Chris, increase your prices because your conversions are too high means you're charging too low. Yep. Then could I say, but you know what? The amount of work it would take me to get those other 70 calls, it's 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 more lucrative to have my prices being lower than to double my work and be increasing factors of 70. Yeah. Well, here's something to ponder. So if you take okay. on too many clients, it can actually be quite destructive in your business because too many of something does quite mm-hmm. often lead to problems starting to kind of erupt. So oh yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. So th- think about it this way. Well, I'll give you an example. So again, apologies, because there's more numbers involved, but hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so we, but we my, everybody out there can do math better than me. I assure <laughs> you, I, I am at the bottom of the barrel. So if, if I don't get it, it's okay. They will. All right? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Excellent. But there's, there's a, there's a punchline to this story actually. So okay. when, back in my, I used to run a marketing agency way back in the day um, before I started the coaching practice. And um, so we used to do web design and branding. And one of the products which we used to do was a, a, like a follow-on product to the websites, website hosting. Okay. It's something which everybody buys and uses these days. Every service provider has a website. So we used to charge just 10 pounds a month for our website support and hosting. This is 15 years ago. And that was competitive. That was what everybody else was charging. We hit the 2008 financial crisis and all of our competition, it was like a race to the bottom. We need to go cheap to get all of the clients to secure money. Okay. And I thought if everybody does that, nobody wins because none of us, like we're charging that. We're not yeah. making enough money here. It just doesn't, it didn't make sense. So I trusted my intuition, had an argument with my business partner because he was like, oh, I don't want to put the prices up. But we 5X star price of our hosting. So we went from 10 pound a month to 50 pound a month. So there was three really interesting things which happened here. The first and obvious one was we lost some clients because we were more expensive than the competition. So we lost out of 120 clients, we lost 40% of them. Right. So about third. So that was a bit of a disaster. My business partner did the international sign of distress several times. Yeah. (laughs) Hop it up and down on one foot. Okay. Pointing aggressively at you. Okay. That's it. Yeah. So we had a lot of that, but with pricing changes, there's about a four to six week lag. So before you start to see the upside of it. So after about four to six weeks, went over, did the accounts and I was like, look at this guy. It's amazing. We'd gone up two and a half times in revenue. 
So we've lost a third of our clients, gone up mm. two and a half times in revenue. Okay. But, and here's the punchline. Okay. So this was the third benefit that we, um, we got. Our support calls dropped by 80% overnight oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so yeah. the clients who didn't value the great work which we did and we really prided ourselves on uptime and all the guarantees yeah. and making things as good as we possibly could do the clients who didn't get that value they left and they took 80 percent of their bitching and moaning and problems yes <laughs> no that is true i remember that in the really infancy stage of my business and upping your prices and getting rid of, you know, I can't think of a nicer thing to say, the riffraff and the people that all of a sudden you realize, oh, I think I'm paying them to work for them, right? Like this is the opposite. So you're right. Okay, that is fantastically interesting. Okay, and I followed the math, boys and girls. So we're doing really good. Excellent. Okay, another thing you talk about, which I, it's, I, I'm in agreement on this and I, and I totally, although you did spin it differently than I had said before, I have never been a fan of hourly rate. There's very few things that I would pay an hourly rate for. And I train people not to charge for an hourly rate, like my marketing clients or whatever, right? There's a, because also, I guess to me, the scenario was I had a, a client who was a photographer and she was doing a really important shoot and it was outside. And what happens, it started to rain and she really didn't, she wanted to do right by these clients and make sure that they got every single thing they wanted. So they stood under a tree for like, you know, 20 minutes and it's raining, it's misty, but she's having to carry on conversations. She's doing all this stuff and, you know, she's being engaged with them and the summer rain, it's, it was quite, you know, fun and stuff. And then when the rain stopped, she went out and she got the extra shots she wanted and she was the hero of the day. And that's great. But had she been charging an hourly rate instead of a project rate, she would have looked like she's just you know, running the clock, right? Yeah. So it works against you. So I always think, you know, that is a real problem. But you talked about, and I don't know if I'm stealing your thunder, you'll expand on this, is that when you're charging somebody for an hourly rate, which is something I never thought about, you are paying more for inexperience. Yeah. yeah. So if you, I mean, you take something like, well, I, I use the analogy, like same from my background, web design, for example. So imagine you've got like you know, person number one comes along and they say, right, Chris, you're in the market for a website. I can build you a website. We get on okay. And you say yes. And what we agreed to is say 20 hours and it like to build this website and I'm going to charge you 50 bucks an hour. And you're like, okay, well, a thousand bucks. That's, that feels reasonable. Yeah. What this person forgot to tell you was that, you know, they'd only just started, they don't really get result, great results, they haven't really got any commercial experience, but they have a good go at like coding up this website. And because they've taken on too many clients at too low a rate now, because everybody's saying yes to them because they're cheaper than the competition, right? They, they don't show up with any work for like three months. You're like, where's my website? And they've, they, they, not only that, but it hasn't got the blog or the shopping cart on it, which you asked for. And it, you're just like, this isn't great. So the person says, well, listen, Chris, um, I can add those on for you, definitely. But um, uh, it's going to take another 10 hours and you've got to pay for it. Mm. I, I, I thought we'd agreed I was going to. So you can set like straight away. I mean, most people are ethical, moral, upstanding human beings. And they wouldn't just bolt on another 10 hours and expect the clients pay for it. But even, even if they don't add it on, like now you're annoyed the, the supplier, the web designer is getting annoyed. It just doesn't add up, right? Yeah. So second person comes along, right, Emma. She's she's a, a website like Guru. She's been doing this for years. She doesn't know what Robin and Chris know about pricing though. So she's still charging hourly rate, but she knocks out this website in three days. It only takes her 10 hours of billable time. So it's only 500 bucks. So it's like, hang on, 
Emma's better and yet she's getting paid a third of the price of this inexperienced mm. like you know hack who who took my money right yeah so those are the first two but there's a third guy right okay. so Steve comes along website ninja he's the best right he says listen I can turn this out for you this afternoon I reckon in the first 30 days we can get you up to producing five to ten really solid leads a week for your business what's that going to mean for you well it means that if your average client's worth x we can generate y's worth of revenue how does that sound right and you're thinking yeah this sounds pretty pretty kick-ass actually and I'm in a hurry I want to get this thing done and then he says afterwards he says listen I know you're a bit worried. You've heard that I'm expensive, but one of the things I do is if I can't get you those leads in 30 days, I'll refund you all the money and I'll pay you a thousand dollars for wasting your time. You're like, mm. hooked. That's, that's right. this guy knows what he's talking about. He's confident. Chris, ask me how much this guy charges. How much does he charge? His website's a 10K. Right. You know, right. So he's 10 times the price of Emma and the other guy, the other, the yeah. hack rip off. But he's got those guarantees in place. He understands commercially what it means to have a website built that's going to generate leads for your business and grow it, you know, and like 10K may seem expensive, but hey, he's got this guarantee. So not only that, I'll earn a thousand dollars if he doesn't do what he says and I can go and spend it with Emma, who is pretty good anyway. Yeah. And you know what? You brought up a lot of really good points because I think of it from a consumer's point of view, but you brought it back again to us charging for our services. So, you know, that's the end of the day is we're undercharging the more experience you get. But I've never liked the hourly thing too, because I also too, I don't care how good of a human being you are. At some point it innately kicks in that you think, are they working as fast as they could be working? Like <laughs> if they, you know, if they're charging me by the hour, they're going to have a different momentum than if they're charging me by the project, right? And I yeah. also think it just makes you feel safer as a consumer because you realize here's what it's cost and the things that happen along the way you're going to take care of because we've agreed upon the price right so that is really awesome okay that is yeah lots of i think what you do really well robin is is putting it from a picking up maybe the same cube we've all been looking at and you're turning it a different way and you're like oh i thought it looked good from this way but let's turn it around it makes even more sense okay two very powerful points you made there what would be a, you know what what's another thing that you think we're constantly missing the boat on well, I, I think, um, I, I don't know, maybe this is a very British thing, but I think a lot of business owners, like entrepreneurs, like are genuinely like really decent human beings and they get amazing results for their clients. Um, they love what they do. They like deeply passionate about what they do. But the one thing which is holding them back is the fact that they're too humble. Like, I actually think that really great entrepreneurs should be telling more people about what, what it is that they do. Um, I know, but let, let me jump in there. Here's the problem. I'm a marketer. That's my background. And I still do marketing, right? So people, I just don't put it out there because it gets a little confusing with the marketplace. We have marketing clients, but we're known for the win the hour, win the day um, platform and all that stuff. Because I really want to create a movement where your business supports your life instead of consuming it. But even as a marketer, marketing other people, I know how to do that. Yet something happens when it's about you, because like, I see those coffee shops that will say world's greatest coffee. And you're like, I'm sure you're not right. Cause it's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're in a small town and it doesn't look like the world's greatest coffee. And it kind of reminds me, everyone told me, and I knew better. I knew better. I knew better. When I wrote my book, when they are, when the day, I know that you're supposed to be talking about this as you do it. And you're supposed to be getting people involved and getting people ready. Okay. I'm on chapter two, which cover do you think looks best? But the, the, the Chris, the me was always like, I hate 
I just like showing people what I did. I don't like saying what I'm going to do. Now, when I say I'm going to do something, I almost always do it. People that I told was going to write the book. I came back later and said, I wrote the book. And they said, I can't believe you did that. And I said, but I said I was going to write it. And they said, yes, everyone says that. Nobody does it, right? So I mean, when I say, I say what I do. Having said that, I just thought being out there on Facebook, tugging people's sleeves as they walk by and saying, I'm working on a book, I'm working on a book, right? I just wanted to show up and say, look what I did. It's done. Here it is which is the worst marketing you could do because nobody knew anything about it. And then I had to really scramble. I had to, it was like trying to get the plane off the ground when it could have had a long runway and a great flight. And I had to scurry and, and make people aware. It was just upside down and backwards. And I, I just knew it, but I, I was digging in my toes. I just couldn't be online telling people what I'm working on. I still struggle on that. So it's not even like about being humble. I don't know. It's kind of like school. Well, like show me when the work is done. Don't, don't tell me what you're going to do. Right. So I think that we all get stuck there at some point. Well, I, I think it's because inherently, like we struggle to big ourselves up. It's much easier if I was to sit here and I could probably sell you better than I could sell me. Chris, yeah. Yeah. Because it's yeah. easier to talk about somebody else when there's no yeah. jeopardy involved in it. Okay. Yeah. When I start talking about myself automatically, there's jeopardy involved in that because, oh gosh, yeah. what I, I might be saying something, which maybe I don't, I don't feel a hundred percent confident about myself. In but you don't want to brag. You, yeah, it you sounds like brag. you, it sounds like bragging arrogance. Absolutely. So, the, but there yeah. is a workaround for that. So, what do we okay. do? We ask other people to t say how good we are. Yes. And yes. then we use that, like those marketing assets. So, I talk about yeah. like social proof case studies, reviews, testimonials, yeah. which yeah. are gathered from your your raving fans, your loyal customers who really love what you do, and you can feed them some questions to make sure that 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 you know there's an objective behind it as well. But but now you've got your marketing assets that you can then put out into the world and say, hey, look at what Chris says about me. You know, this is this is yeah. that works. You know, it's, it's so much more powerful that way because you've got somebody else kind of bigging you up. Yeah. And I still underutilize them. I get some raving reviews and every once in a while I throw them up, but I tend to like, they should be in a, a routine. They should be on a schedule. We should be doing that on a regular thing. Right. I'm writing that down now. I keep forgetting. I go, Oh yeah, I'm going to do that more. And then I don't. So, all right. Sometimes you forget. I always say, I forgot. I knew that, or you have to be reminded how important that is. So anyhow, Robin, we could talk to you all day. Where would people find more of your brilliance? Uh, so we've got a few free resources over at fearless.biz. Um, okay. So just a few, several downloads. You can go and grab a copy of Take Your Shot, which is the blue book behind yes. me. Uh, obviously, yes. if you grab hold of a copy of Take Your Shot, we would love a review on Amazon because it just helps other people to find the book. Um, or you can just Google Robin Waits. So that's Waits, W-A-I-T with an E on the end of it. Um, and you, you'll find my LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all of the good stuff out there. Yes, and I was just generously gifted Take Your Shot. And uh, I'm, I'm into it and boy, oh boy, I'm really enjoying it. So I can't wait to brag you up and sort of get you out there and give you a testimonial on that. It's a really, I think they say in your country, stellar stuff. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yes. Awesome. Okay, Robin, you have been fantastic. We'll make sure to put all your contacts in the show notes and everyone else, we will see you in the next episode. Hey guys, don't miss out. Hop on over to free gift from chris.com that's free gift g-i-f-t from chris k-r-i-s dot com we are constantly putting goodies in there just for you guys so that you can have a business that supports your life instead of consuming it